Hello, and welcome to the Embassy City Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's Pastor Tim. What's up, Embassy City family? I love you guys, and I hope you're all doing well to our Vitamin E peeps. Thank you for worshiping with us today. Listen, I have the honor and the privilege of spending time with my family. So we are on vacation for the entire month of July. We have Tim Rivers, a dynamic pastor who is about to literally turn our worlds upside down. Get up on your feet and give a big round of applause. Your speaker for the entire month is Tim Rivers. Anybody in love with Jesus? Man, I am so in love with Jesus, and I'm so glad that you're here. If you're a first-time guest, welcome to Embassy City Church. If you're watching online, our Vitamin E family, thank you for tuning in. Come on, let's make some noise for those that are watching online. In your lazy boy, sipping on your coffee in your living room, wherever you are, poolside, welcome to church. So my name is Tim Rivers, and I've been with you all now for the whole month of July. And can I say, I've just had a ball. I have so enjoyed being with you all uh, for the last several weeks. And can y'all believe this is the last, the last message in this series? Boo-hoo. <laughs> uh, but I've said this before, and I think it's worth mentioning again how much I love and appreciate Pastor Tim and Juliet Ross. Can y'all give it up for your leaders, your pastors? Um, I just, I love them. Uh, so much for just the example that they are to the body of Christ, for the investment they're making in the body of Christ, and then for leading really well. And I also want to compliment you as a church for showing up uh, during this month and participating even while your pastor is gone. So compliments to you. Give yourselves a hand for doing that. Those that are still tuning in, uh, it takes a lot of people to make the church go round. So to all those that are in the tech booth and the worship team and kids ministry and volunteers, opening doors and everything, uh, our family has just been blessed by this church, the hospitality that's here. And so one more time, put your hands together for what God is doing here at Embassy City Church. So we're in the last sermon of this series, Upset the Church. And to be honest, y'all are probably like, like why is he wearing a suit today? Because it's turn-up time. It's the last one. So I'm going to turn up whether you do or not, but I'd like for you to turn up with me. Anybody coming here ready to have church? But before we get into it, there is something I have to mention. All the ladies in the house make some noise. Y'all can do better than that. All the ladies make some noise. Y'all know what's coming up. Women's conference. If you haven't signed up, you got to sign up before August the 26th. Make sure you register. It's going to be a phenomenal time. You're going to get a lot out of it. And if you sign up to be a volunteer at the conference, make sure you come back here after service, after this service. Uh, there's going to be a volunteer meeting that's happening, so make sure that you're here. Is anybody ready to get in this word? All right, so we're going to Revelation chapter 3, the book of Revelation chapter 3, verse number 14. And today we're actually going to read the entire letter. Uh, the last few weeks we've just kind of read snippets, but today we're going to read the entire letter. So Revelation chapter 3, verse number 14. Here we go. 
And to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. Just pick something. Uh, my wife and I sometimes will go out to eat, or we plan to go out to eat. And I'm like, what would you like to eat? And she's like, what would you like to eat? <laughs> and I'm like, well, just pick something. And she says, no, you just pick something. So I say, let's go to saltgrass. And she may say, well, I don't want to eat steak. But I thought you wanted me to pick. So let's go eat sushi. <laughs> and then we just end up having to pick somewhere, and it's usually like Chick-fil-A. Just pick a restaurant. Just pick whether you're going to be cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Whew. That's strong language, y'all. For you say I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to, to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, whenever you see the word behold, it means pay attention. I stand at the door and knock if anyone somebody say anyone all y'all everybody if anyone hears my voice and opens the door i will come to him and eat with him and he with me verse number 21 this is where we're going to park to the one who conquers the word conquers can also mean overcomes to the one who overcomes, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I have conquered or overcome and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And somebody say amen. So for the next little while, uh, I want to preach on this subject. The one who overcomes. The one who overcomes. Turn around, touch two or three people and ask them, are you an overcomer? If you're watching online, text somebody right now and ask them, are you an overcomer? It's very important that you're sitting beside somebody that has an overcomer mindset. We're about to pray and uh, if, if you're nervous about the person that you're around, take this opportunity, put your one finger up, go use the bathroom, get some water. When you come back in, make sure you sit by the right person. Because this uh, message is for overcomers. All right, somebody. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and mercy. I thank you that you've drawn us into your presence. I thank you for the privilege of being able to preach your word for the last several weeks. And now as we bring this sermon series to a crescendo, to an ending, I pray that once again you would give us ears to hear, a heart to receive, and a mind to understand what the Spirit would say to us. Help the word to be buried deep into the good soul of our hearts. Help us to bear fruit of it. We thank you right now for what you're getting ready to do. In Jesus' name. And everybody say amen.
y'all look good. And it feels good. This is one of those dangerous type of situations where it's like, I feel like preaching. And then y'all look like y'all ready for preaching. So we're just going to go all in. Is that okay? So in the realm of theology, there is a discipline that concerns itself with the attributes of God. And the attributes of God are the characteristics of God. We can understand God in part, but not fully. Because it's impossible for finite man to fully comprehend an infinite God. If an infinite God could be explained by finite man, he would cease to be infinite. Are you following me? But it is important that we look at some of the characteristics of God that he has revealed so that we can understand some of his behavior. And one of the characteristics of God or attributes of God is that he's sovereign, which means that he reigns over everything, no matter what it is. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, right? God reigns over everything. Another attribute or characteristic of God is that he is righteous. And God being righteous means that he defines what is right and therefore what is wrong. If you want to be right with God, you got to find out what he enjoys, what he likes. Another attribute of God is that he's just. And in God's justness, or his justice, he has determined and decided to allow his creation to choose between options. Now, there are times when God imposes his will on his creation. But for the most part, when, you read, when we read through scripture, we find out that God actually allows for his creation to choose. Now, we know this to be true because when we look at the story of an angel by the name of Lucifer, which means bearer of light, he was an angel in heaven. He decided to rebel against God. Now, when we hear that, it kind of messes with our mind because we automatically assume that angels are created and forced to worship God. But really, even angels have a decision to make whether or not they serve God or rebel against him. Lucifer decided to rebel against God, and he was kicked out of heaven, and he took with him a third of the angels. So a third of the angels decided to rebel against God and were thrown out of heaven. So even angels have the option to choose. Then we see this again with Adam and Eve. They're created. They're placed in the garden, and God gives them a vegan buffet. (laughs) He's like, out of every tree in the garden, you can eat of every herb. Anything that grows, it's yours for your sustenance. But I'm also going to place a tree in the middle of the garden, and I'm commanding you not to eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, God could have, because he's God, imposed his will on them and said, I'm placing the tree in the middle of the garden, but I'm going to force you not to eat of it. He could have put an electric fence around it. He could have put fire rings around it. He could have put angels around it. But he allowed for his creation to choose. And so that reality is true for us. We have options. We get to choose. We get to decide between things. Now, if you're young, a child, you don't get very many options. I don't know how y'all run y'all's house. But when you're two years old, you don't get to pick where we go eat. You don't get to pick what kind of house we live in. You don't get to pick what kind of car we drive. You don't get to pick your parents. And you sure enough ain't going to be able to pick your siblings. 
I love my siblings. In fact, my brother's here. But as you mature, as you get older, you get to make more decisions for yourself. You get to decide what car you drive. You get to decide what house to live in. You get to decide what type of person you want to date. You get to decide your friends group. You get to decide who to marry, at least at the time when you married them. (laughs) If you're married, don't amen me. (laughs) Well, he was totally different when I married him. But we get to make some decisions. And now in our world today, we're inundated with so many decisions that uh, research has been done. It's been found out that we, uh, average adult, makes about 35,000 decisions a day. We have so many options, so many opportunities to make decisions. And in fact, we have too many. Anybody have Netflix or Hulu? I mean, and Hulu? and Disney Plus, and a TV subscription that has a billion channels. I don't know about you, but there are times with Janice and I, we got the kids down, we got the popcorn, the chips, the sodas, and we're ready to watch a movie. And I'm like, what do you want to watch? She's like, oh, no, let's just check it out. And I'm like, okay, cool, let's do it. And then we'll sit there and we'll go through trailer after trailer after trailer after trailer after trailer after trailer. Two hours have gone by, and all we've done is looked at trailers, and we're so tired, we're like, we're going to bed. (laughs) When was the last time you've been to the cereal aisle? Lord have mercy. You want to have conflict, go to the cereal aisle. I'll go to Target and be like, I want to get my banana nut crunch. I know it's weird, but that's my favorite cereal. I'm going to go get banana nut crunch, but when I get to the cereal aisle, guess what? There's cinnamon toast crunch, and there's fruity pebbles. And there's cocoa pebbles, and there's Cheerios, and there's cornflakes. And I'm like, I get so overwhelmed that I actually leave without cereal. And this is actually a real problem. Psychologists are calling it decision fatigue. And decision fatigue is what happens when you're inundated with so many options, and you've made so many decisions that you are worn out. Decision fatigue happens when you're, when you're in between uh, two decisions and you get so stressed out and you get so anxious that you end up in depression and you end up being paralyzed and you can't make a decision between two things. Now, this is exactly what Laodicea was dealing with. Because when Jesus wrote to the church at Laodicea, he says, church, you are neither hot or cold. You, you can't decide between right and wrong, left and right, up and down, liberal or conservative. You are literally caught in the middle. And, and the scripture says, James said it this way, a double-minded man is unstable in what? All of his ways. Have you ever met somebody that just cannot decide between anything? Let me tell you something. If you're dating a dude for 17 years and he still hadn't popped the question, My man is unstable in all of his ways. Find you somebody else. Right? So God is looking. Jesus, he's writing to the church and he says, listen, y'all are unstable. Now, I want you to realize something. In in the seven letters that we've been going through over the last five weeks, there's a pattern. Every letter has this pattern. It opens up with a description of Christ. Then it goes to a commendation. This is something that Jesus is complimenting the church 
about, something good that they're doing. Then it goes to rebuke. This is what you're not doing right. You've left your first love or you're counterfeit or you're sleepy. And there's only two churches in the seven letters that didn't receive a rebuke, Smyrna and Philadelphia. They were just doing good. Then after that, he says, these are the consequences if you don't repent. And then he says, this is the solution to get you back on track. And then it ends with, to the one who overcomes. Because God's plan for you is never to leave you where you're at, but it's always for you to be an overcomer. But out of the seven letters, Laodicea was the only church that didn't get a commendation. They didn't get a compliment. In other words, Jesus is so bothered by and gets so nauseous by a church that can't decide between following him and following the world that God says, it literally makes me so sick to my stomach, I can't even think of anything good you're doing. Literally, God says, I want to vomit. My stomach's upset. I need medication because your lukewarmness, because you can't decide. And that, and that word uh, limping between or, or indecision, what the word picture there is that you are literally on a balance beam on one foot between going forward and backwards and you're paralyzed in between. And now you're shaky and you can't decide. And Jesus said, I ain't having none of it. Now, here's the thing. It's not the first time this has happened. Because I want to take you to 1 Kings chapter 18. And this is a story about Elijah. And Elijah's been gone. The children of Israel are in the land. And there's a famine in the land. It hasn't rained for quite some time. There's a drought there. Uh, the children of Israel have been calling out for God to send the rain. But there's no rain coming. Elijah has been MIA. He's been missing in action. And they've been asking and wondering, where in the world is Elijah? Because he's the miracle worker. We need the pastor to come back. We need him to pray over our situation, but he's nowhere to be seen. Then after several years, God calls to Elijah and says, Elijah, I need you to go back because I'm going to do a miracle. So Elijah comes, and when he comes, he finds that the church or Israel is caught in between worshiping God and worshiping Baal, committing to God, but also committing to uh, pagan worship. So when Elijah steps on the scene, he goes, you know what? God wants to do something phenomenal, but before he does, he needs to find out where are you in your faith? Where are you in your decision making? So he gathers up all the children of Israel to a place called Mount Carmel. And he says, I need you also to grab the 450 prophets of Baal at this mount. And we're going to have a test. So he gathers all of the people together. But before he begins, he addresses the children of Israel in verse number 21 of 1 Kings chapter 18. This is what he says. Elijah challenged the people. How long are you going to sit on the fence? Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. If God be the real God, follow him. And if it's Baal, follow him. Make up your minds. In other words, Elijah said, listen, fam, I'm at the point where I'm like, I'm not even trying to convince you to choose. I just need you to choose so I can tell who's real and who's fake. <laughs> who's counterfeit or who's authentic. Just get off the fence. And this is what happened. Nobody said a word. Nobody made a move. It was absolutely quiet in that moment. So Elijah says, all right. Well, we're about to put it to the test. So he says, we're going to build an altar 
the prophets of Baal are going to build one. And they're going to call out to their God. And then I'm going to build one. I'll call out to our God. And the God who answers by fire, he is the true God. Now, what you have to understand about Baal is Baal was the God, apparently, who controlled the rain, wind, and fire. So Elijah's like, guess what? I'm going to give you a one-up. I'll let you call out to the God that's supposed to be controlling all this stuff. So the scripture says that the 450 prophets of Baal, they build an altar and they place the sacrifice on top. And then they start to do their thing. Their incantations, their prayers, their screaming. And the scripture says they cut themselves with knives until the blood was gushing out of them, as was the custom. This was a gruesome, cruel type of worship. But they were, they were singing and they were praising and they were asking Baal to answer and nothing happened. In fact, it got so awkward and so, so weird that Elijah's sitting there in the corner. He's watching this happen from the morning until afternoon. And, and Elijah's like, yo, fam, uh, maybe you need to yell a little louder because it's possible that your God can't hear. And he's over there laughing. He says, hey, maybe you need to scream a little louder because it's possible that your God has gone on vacation. This is really in the Bible, 1 Kings 18. So he says, hey, you know what? My bad. Maybe your God went to the bathroom and is taking a dump. Y'all think I'm playing. No, it's really in the Bible. So he says, he says, maybe you got to just yell out a little louder. And so they are yelling out and they're screaming and they're expecting Bill to answer. But nothing happens. Then finally, Elijah says, enough of that is my turn. It's God's turn. So he rolls up on him and he says, give me uh, 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel. He builds an altar. Then he takes wood and he puts the wood on top. And then he gets a bull and he cuts it up and he puts it on top as a sacrifice. And then he goes, you know what? Uh, you could confuse fire right now happening because we're in a drought and a famine. And like what we're dealing with in Texas right now. People's yards just, you know, Turn up and smoke. Why? Because it's so, so hot outside. So Elijah's like, hey, I don't want you to think that this is an accident. So uh, I, need, I need a couple of y'all to go get me four buckets of water. Now, anybody have an extra friend, you know, that friend that does too much? Elijah was that guy. Elijah's like, go down the hill. Remember, they're on the top, so they got to go run down the hill, get four buckets of water, run all the way up, and it's awkward for everybody, you know, because the prophets of Baal most likely are putting, you know, salve on their wounds. They're like, man, can you hurry this up so we can get to the hospital? Dog, why are you taking your time right now? <laughs> so they come up with four buckets of water, and they pour water over the sacrifice, and Elijah's like, cool, but uh, let's do it again. <laughs> So they got to sit there awkwardly again as they run down, get four more buckets of water, run back up, pour it over the sacrifice. And they're like, all right, now. And he's like, nah, fam, <laughs> let me build a trench around it. Go get some more water. So they run down a third time. They come 12 buckets of water that are now on the sacrifice until the scripture says that the sacrifice, the altar, the wood is drenched with water. And there's water in the trench around the, the, the altar. Then Elijah, he looks up at heaven and he says, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who's done it before, the God who made a way where there seems to be no way, the God who made straight the crooked path, the God who has already done more than enough. Today, I need you to show out. 
So God, I'm asking you in this moment to open up the windows of heaven and show your people that you truly are God. And the scripture says immediately, it wasn't even a second after that prayer, that the windows of heaven opened up, a fire came out of heaven, and it took up the sacrifice, but not just the sacrifice. God took the wood, the stones, all the water until nothing was left. Let me tell you, when God begins to move in your life, he'll do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we are able to ask or think. So God shows up, right? And he shows out. And the scripture says, let me read this to you. And when the children of Israel saw what God had done, verse number 39, and all the people saw it happen. In other words, I didn't hear it from Billy. I was there. I didn't see it on Instagram. Yo, fam, I was there. I saw it happen. News was spreading. And when they saw it happen and fell on their faces in awe worship, exclaiming, God is the true God. There's no denying it now. God is the true God. And Elijah told them, grab the Baal prophets. Don't let one of them get away. Let me tell you something. When you decide to get off the fence and go all in with Jesus, you got to cut ties with the thing that's been keeping you on the fence in the first place. It's not enough to say, hey, look, God delivered me out of the neighborhood. Stop driving around it. <laughs> and when you get saved and you get all in with Jesus, you got to unfollow some people. You got you to gotta, uh, stop liking their stuff. You got to stop creeping on them. You got to cut away the thing that's been pulling you back. So Elijah says to him, hey, I need you to grab the 400 prophets of Baal, and we're going to put an end to our past. And so he grabs them. He takes them down to the brook of Kishon, and guess what he does? He slaughters and massacres them. And here's the phenomenal part, and I want to read this to you. Because after this happens, the Scripture says in verse number 41 that Elijah said to Ahab, up on your feet. Eat and drink. In other words, get your charcuterie board. Get your wine ready, slay the fatted calf, get your roast, get your steak, your mashed potatoes, your corn. I'm hungry, y'all. That's why I'm preaching about this. But get ready to party and celebrate. And I want you to turn up. I want you to throw back and have a party. I want you to celebrate. Why? Nothing's happened. I know. I know nothing's happened. But I want you to praise as if it happened. Because what you don't know... What you don't know is while you're praising, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain on the way. It's amazing. See, I, I felt like preaching today. It's amazing to me that when the church got off the fence and went all in with God, then God opened up the windows of heaven and he started answering the prayers that they've been praying. And he started working in ways that they've been believing for. When you get off the fence and go all in with Jesus to the one who overcomes, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He'll turn your night into day. He'll light up your darkened path. He'll make straight the crooked path. When you go all in with God, God will go all in with you. See, I've been holding off on y'all because when we've been reading these letters to the seven churches, we've been reading about some of the problems that are there. And we've been talking about how God makes a way for those that are caught in certain situations, whether you're moving away from your first love, whether you're dealing with counterfeit, whether you're sleepy and tired. But what I haven't been sharing with y'all is that every single letter that is written to the seven churches has this phrase in it, to the one who who 
overcomes. Because what Jesus is trying to tell us in this series, this is the crescendo, this is the finale, this is the finalization, this is the very essence of this entire series, is that no matter what you go through, no matter what you're facing, no matter what has you on the beam of life, trying to balance between do I go all in or do I step back, what God wants you to know is that you are more than an overcomer. It doesn't matter what people say. It doesn't matter what they think. God is looking for somebody to step all the way in to the promises that he has for your life. To the one who overcomes. So I want to read you really quick what Jesus said in Revelations 2 and 3 about the one who overcomes. He said, the one who overcomes, they will eat from the tree of life. They will not be hurt by the second death. They will be given the white stone. They will reign with Christ on his throne. They will be given the morning star. They will be clothed in bright garments. They will have their name in the book of life. They will be made pillars in God's temple. They will participate in the new Jerusalem. They will have God's name written on them. Can I preach and tell you, church, that when you decide to be an overcomer, God will shut the mouth of lions. He'll tear down the walls of Jericho. He'll make a way where there seems to be no way. What God is looking for is a church, embassy, city, and those watching online to go all in with Jesus. I may just be preaching to myself. I might have to bookmark my own message and go watch it. But I'm preaching and telling somebody, you may be on the fence, but God is calling you out right now because here's the thing some of y'all been praying prayers and asking God to come through but you've been on the fence y'all like man God I need you to move and God's like no I need you to move (laughs) you're like God I need you to make a way and God's like no I need you to get out of the way Some of us are like, God, why haven't you answered? And God's like, you've been on the fence. That's why I need you to take a step of faith and go ahead and walk towards me. And when you do, when you do, things will happen in your life that you didn't even dream could happen. God will give you that job you've been praying for. God will give you that business idea that you've been believing for. God will give you that promotion you've been working so hard for. God will let you graduate. God will put an open door in front of you that you never thought was possible. To the one who overcomes. Worship team, if you would come. So the question today is, how do I overcome? Because there's a lot of things that keep us on the fence. It can be hurt from the past. It can be trauma. It can be a number of situations. And sometimes it's comfort. Because we know when we go on with Jesus, it requires some sacrifice. And some of us ain't ready to let go of that relationship. Some of us ain't ready to let go of that thing that's tied us down and so We stay on the fence. But God says, I want you all the way in. Because the indecisiveness is making me nauseous. I need you just to decide to get hot with Jesus. And Pastor Tim says this all the time. Honest, open, and transparent. Forget all the stuff that's kept you behind. I need you to move into the thing that I have for you. So I want to tell you this one story, and then we're going to do something a little different today. The children of Israel, we've already talked about this before. The children of Israel have been delivered out of Egypt. 
and they are on their way to the promised land. And all the while, they are happy and excited because they're finally about to enter into the thing that God has for them. So they get to the edge of the promised land, and they're like, hey, let's send in some spies to see what they say. Twelve spies go in. They come back. They got evidence, grapes to take two men to carry. And all of them are like, fam. Yo, it's exactly as they described. Houses we didn't build. Vineyards we didn't plant. Wells we didn't dig. Surely the land flows with milk and honey. It don't matter if you're lactose intolerant. Milk and honey sounds good. It's exactly as they described it. It's phenomenal. And all of them were like, yo, we need, uh, we need to go get it. But then 10 of the 12 are like this. Yeah, but here's the thing. There are giants in the land. And the promises of God are crowded. They're surrounded by enemies. The Amalekites. They're in the hills. They're in the valleys. They're by the water. They're everywhere. So I don't know if we're able to go. And instantly when the children of Israel heard the positive and negative. Uh, Okay. I was all in. But now I'm not sure. Because, oh, do I really want to go into the promised land and face these giants? Uh, Maybe I want to go back and get these whips laid on my back. Because at least I have garlic and onions. I, I like the comfort. I know there's a sacrifice, but I like the comfort of what I had. Because the future seems uh, somewhat bleak, but also promising. But I'm not sure. And the scripture says that they begin to murmur and complain amongst each other. And it got loud. And then all you could hear was, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And the scripture says that there were two wild, crazy, <laughs> fanatic young men that didn't know any better. That didn't have enough opportunity to have a negative mindset. And they stand up amongst the spies and they're like this. Yo, fam, everything that they said is for real. There are giants in our land. Yes, we did feel like grasshoppers. But we are well able to possess it. One translation says we are well able to overcome it. What is the it? It don't matter. But whatever it is, God has given us enough power to overcome it. And I can't help but wonder if this crazy dude, Caleb, started thinking back of all the stories that his grandfather and great-grandfather told him and his grandmother told him about all the times that they were in slavery and they got their backs beat and they had to serve a a godless nation. And, And at some point, Caleb said, you know what? God had enough. And if he made a way back then, I believe he'll do it again. We didn't know how we were going to get out of Egypt in the first place but God made a way where there seems to be no way and when we got to the Red Sea and we didn't think we were going to cross God parted the Red Sea and he destroyed our enemies and if God did it before he will surely do it again so right now I'm asking you you may be on the crest of a promise 
are you on the fence? Are you lukewarm? Are you trying to figure out, should I go forward or go back? But I'm here to preach and tell you, go forward, go straight, go into the promise. I know it may look like you don't know how it's going to work out, but I'm telling you that God has it all worked out for it. You know why? Because we overcome by what? The blood of the lamb. Jesus already paid for it all. And the word of our testimony, you know what a testimony is? A testimony is when you think back and look back at your life and realize that God has always made a way. When I was sick in the hospital and the doctor said I wouldn't make it. God healed my body. When my marriage was falling apart and I was going to counseling and I didn't think it was going to work out, God put my marriage back together. When my kids were acting crazy and I thought they were going to be locked up, God made a way. When folks said I was coming from the wrong side of the tracks and I would never graduate, God made a way. Is there anybody that's got a testimony that God makes a way. I need about 10 people to stand up on your feet and say, God made a way for me. When I didn't know where to turn, I turned to Jesus. To the one who overcomes. Stand on your feet all across this house. Y'all like, why are you yelling? Because I know what it's like as a pastor to look out and see people caught in the in-between. And I'm like, if you knew what God has for you, you would jump off that fence Die trying to get where God wants you to be. To the one who overcomes. I love the King James Version because it says, to the one who overcometh. I don't know some of you old school KJV folks out there. But ETH means it's a continuation. I don't just overcome once, I keep overcoming. (laughs) I need to wrap it up, but I, I could go another 30 minutes on that. Every time I come to another place. Every time I come to another block. Pardon me. Excuse me. Uh, but what? I know you, like God worked in your life, but man, this one seems impossible. Pardon me. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> To the one that overcometh, you got to keep overcoming. And this is what he said. To the one that overcometh, it's because I overcame. Past tense. Whatever it is in your life that's got you on the fence, God already overcame. If it's a broken marriage, it's already overcome. If it's funny money, God's already overcome it. If it's friendship, God's already overcome it. Whatever it is in your life. It's got you in the in-between. God's already taken care of it. So this is what we're going to do different today. It's a call out for those who are ready to be overcomers. So if you're in this place and you feel like, man, I've, I feel like I've been on the fence. I feel like I really want to go in with God, but man, I am scared. It's okay to say that. 
Yo, I have fear right now about what the future holds. I'm telling you, trust God's word and trust that what he has for you is good. So if, if you're in this place and you're ready to take that step to be an overcomer, I want you to step out from where you're at and come make your way to the front. Altar team, come on up to receive. Altar team, come on up. And if you're in this place, I want you to come up. You may have to move some people out of the way. Excuse me. Excuse me. Pardon me. He's preaching to me. This ain't for everybody, but it's for somebody. Come up, 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 come up. If you're in this place and, and, and your marriage is on the balance beam, grab your spouse by the hand and come on up. If you're here and you've been praying about a job opportunity and it doesn't seem like God has opened up the windows of heaven yet, come on up. You can come right here. Look, there's an open space for somebody to come. I'm calling everybody. I'm going to give you a little more time, a little more opportunity to come on up, squeeze up here to the front. Because this is going to be a moment where, where heaven comes to earth. And God's about to answer some prayers. If you've been praying for healing, I want you to come up. If you've been praying for a breakthrough, come on up. Come on, y'all squeeze all the way here in the middle. Squeeze in. If you're watching online, right where you're at, Right where you're at, stand up, put your hands up, because I'm going to pray for you. And then I believe a breakthrough and victory is going to come. And we're going to go into a time of worship because worship declares the goodness of God. But if you're here in this moment, don't you let this moment pass you by. If you got to squeeze by some people, pardon me, excuse me, I need to overcome this. Roll up. If you're in this place right now, you're in the front, I want you just to raise both hands as a sign of receiving, like a funnel receiving. Just raise those hands right now. Father, we come to you right now in this moment. Whatever the situation, whatever the issue, it may be comfort, it may be a trial, it may be sickness, it may be a marriage. Whatever it is right now, we come before you in your presence and we're asking you right now to help us overcome the situation. And so right now, God, as we release every burden, every chain, every wall, everything that's holding us back from your presence, as we release it, right now we're asking you that you would open up the windows of heaven, that you would pour out your spirit, that you would let great things happen. We're believing for miracles, signs, and wonders to take place right now. Walls of Jericho are coming down. Chains are being broken right now. Marriages are being fixed right now. Relationships are being healed and mended right now. In the name of Jesus. Jesus. Come on, press it, press it, press it, press it.
I feel like there may be somebody in this place that needs healing in your body. Thank you, Lord. If you are, just slip your hand up right where you are. Just If you need healing in your body, just right where we are, just raise it up. Awesome. So we believe in a God who heals, right? Now, it doesn't have to be physical. It can be emotional. It can be spiritual, whatever. Uh, there's a lot of reasons why we need healing. I just want you to lift that hand right now. If you're around somebody that's got their hand up, just reach over if it's appropriate, and I want you just to pray for them right now. Dear Jesus, we're believing for healing right now, whether it be emotional, physical, mental, spiritual, whatever it is, God, I pray that there would be a healing that takes place right now, God. I thank you, God, that in this moment, God, you're showing up in a spectacular way. And I believe that there are going to be testimonies that come out of this moment. So right now, God, we put an altar, we build an altar, and we say thank you, Jesus, for the breakthrough. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in our lives right now. And if you believe it, shout amen. So I want to share one more thing with you because I've been praying for you as a church. I've been praying for you as a church, and I shared this with the earlier service, and I feel like the Lord really spoke to me about this church, about Embassy City. And so I want to share something that I believe applies to you as individuals, but to you as a church. I want to speak prophetically and say that Embassy City, that God has a door open for you that no man shall shut, and that he has made you well able to possess the land on which you are. God has prepared before you an open door. There are dreams that are about to be fulfilled. There are prayers that God is about to answer. There are miracles, signs, and wonders that will take place. Opportunities that you've been believing God for are about to present themselves. The latter shall be greater than the former, and the future doesn't even compare to your past. What you're about to experience is about to shock you. One more time, all across this building, lift your hands. Let me pray for you. Dear Jesus, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the leadership of this church. I thank you, God, for every single individual that calls Embassy City home or that has visited or that watches online. I pray that there would be supernatural breakthrough, a release of faith, God, in each individual. I pray that even this week, before this day is over, that there would be testimonies of things that God is doing that are supernatural. To the one who overcomes, there are going to be many blessings. And right now, God, we declare that we are more than overcomers and we step into the promises that you have for our lives. So now we give your name all the praise, all the glory, all the honor, all the adoration because you're worthy of it. And we thank you in advance for what you're getting ready to do. And if you believe it, shout amen. One more time, put your hands together and give Jesus some praise. Thanks for listening today. If this message spoke to you in any way, please subscribe in your favorite podcast app and leave a review too. We would like to connect with you. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit embassycity.com. You can watch live on Sundays and view past messages on our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash Church. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Embassy Irving. If you'd like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at embassycity.com or text embassycity, all one word, to 77977. We pray you have a great week. Thanks for listening today.